A recent article in a far-left publication with accompanying television and radio coverage in the Burlington area targeted Vermont Republican Party members who support Donald Trump. The piece contained various quotes from members of the GOP old guard who fashioned themselves as never-Trumpers. The effect was that the party came across as an infighting, confused, and amateur outfit that can't decide what exactly constitutes a Vermont Republican. The answer will determine the future of Vermont's right, if it is to have one at all. I'm Meg Hansen, and this is Writing What's Left. The article was written by the political columnist of this publication. But don't be fooled by the veneer of respectability that the fancy title confers. The author is a longtime blogger who traffics in hate, and this was clearly a hit piece. However, I believe that it is instructive and worth paying attention to because it reveals the great rift within Republicans in Vermont. The first faction is comprised of those who believe only liberal Republicans can succeed in the state. These include Governor Phil Scott, the Senate Minority Leader, and a number of legislators who first entered politics about 20 years ago. I'll call this group the Scott Troopers. And Faction 2 believes that Republicans will only truly succeed when they show Vermonters that they have distinct policy and political positions from the left. I'll call this group the Rebels. The Scott Troopers say, we can't waste our time with the base. Everyone knows there are twice as many Democrats as Republicans in Vermont. Oh, haven't you heard? The Oxford English Dictionary has just approved Vermont as a synonym for progressive. And finally, the definitive proclamation. Vermont is not Texas. Therefore, Republicans in the Green Mountain State can only have a tenuous relationship with mainstream conservatism and it is our duty to condescend on those dirty Southerners and their regressive brand of Republicanism. Here I would like to pause and spend the next hour defending the honor of the Lone Star State, having spent a good many years there with my wonderful, most loving grandparents in Dallas. However, I'll put a pin in that for now and get back to our discussion. Okay, so Scott Troopers are less than impressed with red state Republicans and the national GOP scene. So who makes their world go round? Political figures from the early 20th century. For example, Thomas Dewey, governor of New York back in the 1940s. Nelson Rockefeller, also governor of New York. And from Vermont, Governor George Aiken and the Gibson duo. U.S. Senators from Vermont, Ernest Gibson and his son, Ernest Gibson Jr. Representing the progressive wing of the party. These liberal Republicans of the Northeast were not interested in the social conservatism that really took a hold in the Republican Party of the South. Although they espoused fiscal conservatism, often they outspent their Democratic peers. Historically, the Republican creed in the Northeast was informed by middle-class Puritan values, the Unitarian religion, and transcendental philosophy, which stood in stark contrast with the landed aristocracy of the South. 
These historical differences came to head in the 1960s when radical cultural changes redefined American society. Politics lies downstream of culture, and so, not surprisingly, the parties realigned then. Spearheading change on the right was Senator Barry Goldwater from Arizona, who articulated a coherent intellectual philosophy for conservatism. It was fascinating to learn that Goldwater conservatives faced more opposition from Rockefeller Republicans than the left. This showdown culminated in the 1964 Republican National Convention. When Goldwater won the nomination, even though Nelson Rockefeller labeled him as an extremist. As with the cycles of fashion, everything that was once old is new again. And the Scott Troopers, modern heirs of the Rockefeller Republicans, accused the rebels of extremism, or more fashionably, ideological purity. Responding to Rockefeller's accusations of extremism at the 64 convention, Goldwater said, quote, I would remind you that extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice and that moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Speaking of ideological purity, isn't Bernie Sanders lauded for the same? The Soviet Union is long gone. The Iron Curtain has long been lifted over Eastern Europe. Yet, Sanders continues to rally against evil capitalism. The label may have changed from communist to democratic socialist, but Sanders remains ideologically consistent, ideologically pure. So while the left in Vermont is allowed to organize itself according to left-wing ideas and theories and principles, the right is not. Why is this the case? Oh right, because Vermont is a deep, deep blue state and it is imperative that we accept the status quo. But Republicans outside the Northeast have never been interested in accepting the left's status quo. Goldwater lost the election, but his articulation of conservatism gave rise to a movement that paved the way for Ronald Reagan's presidency. From William Buckley's National Review to Rush Limbaugh's Radio Empire, Fox News, Newt Gingrich's contract with America, the 2010 Tea Party Revolution, to most recently Donald Trump entering the fray, Intellectual thought and political ideas on the right can only be characterized as dynamic, inclusive, exciting, colorful, with a sincere effort to reframe and redefine what it means to be a Republican in America today. So it seems arcane that the troopers cling on to early 20th century conceptions of what a Republican politician ought to be like. If mainstream conservatism has not been successful in Vermont, then I would argue that this is because it has not been accurately and convincingly presented to Vermonters. Where are the leaders on the right who show ideological tenacity and courage in the face of opposition? Unless you stand up for what you believe in unapologetically and unabashedly, you shouldn't expect anyone to follow you. Like the Scott Troopers, Democrats in Vermont also claim that 
and insistence on ideological purity is why the Vermont Republican Party cannot elect any candidates. I would like them to answer this question. When it comes to ideology, what is too far on the left? Now we know the answer for the right. White supremacy, KKK, Nazism, you know that's too far on the right. Well, what is it on the left? Frankly, I don't agree with categorizing Nazism as a movement on the right. It, after all, is National Socialism. And so the Nazis were National Socialists, while the Communists were International Socialists. So they really are movements on the left, but the American left focuses on the nationalism aspect and makes Nazism a thing of the right. In any case, I won't focus on that and just accept that white supremacy and anti-Semitism is where we draw the line on what's not acceptable on the right. We reject that, we condemn it, and now tell me what is the equivalent on the left. Here I would like to revisit the topic of abortion. In the late 90s, the DNC platform talked about abortion as a quote, difficult issue something that needs to be, quote, less necessary and more rare. Bill Clinton famously said that it should be safe, legal, and rare, but that the last word on abortion was that it was not something to be celebrated. In 2019, however, as we head to the 2020 presidential election, Democratic presidential candidates are defending abortion right up to birth. As we discussed in the last episode, this is now the new pro-choice position, the left's new norm. How is Phil Scott responding to this radical reframing of the abortion issue? By not opposing it. Age 57, recently passed by Vermont legislators, endorses abortion for any reason right up till the date of delivery. Phil Scott has decided that he will not veto it Now, he doesn't know whether he's going to sign it or let it go into effect without his signature, but he will not veto it. Let's consider the political ramifications of this decision. Why should Republican voters in Vermont trek to the polls to choose between candidates who are far-left progressives, Democrats, and Democrat-light candidates? As I mentioned earlier, the left in Vermont is very ideologically driven and organized according to far-left principles. I mean, there is a progressive party which stands to the left of the Democratic Party and has been moving the state to the far left ever since it came into conception. And the Scott Troopers believe that the key to success lies in somehow convincing Democrats that they should go with Republican candidates instead of the various shades of D that are on offer. I don't understand how that makes any sense. According to a number of political operatives that I've spoken to, at least 20,000 right-leaning voters stayed home in the 2018 elections because they didn't want to vote for Phil Scott, and that hurt all the down-ticket candidates. If the Republican base was energized and nearly every right-of-center voter was at the voting booth every two years, and yet 
the GOP was losing elections, then the argument can be made that, hey, you know, we're appealing to the base and that's all great, but we need to expand and we need to somehow entice people who are in the middle or left of center. However, the truth of the matter is that most people on the right don't vote. They are not inclined to get engaged with the political process in any way because they look at it as a futile exercise. There's no one that they find exciting, no leaders that they want to follow. The various counties are not organized at all. Promising grassroots efforts are almost non-existent. And therefore, it's very easy to say that, hey, most of the electorate is made up of Democrats, so let's appeal to them. When clearly the left in Vermont is very well funded, very well organized, energized, excited, and I'm sure delighted that they have no real opposition. But Meg, you're talking about abortion. Aren't Vermont Republicans supposed to stay away from social issues like that? Well, no one is insisting that you make a purely faith-based argument in the least church state of the nation. However, given that the parameters of this important topic have changed so radically that the left's position is now pro-abortion as opposed to pro-choice, I don't see why Republicans can't stand up for what they actually believe in. By now, I'm sure you've figured that I'm very sympathetic to the rebels, and in fact, I identify as one. In the next episode, I will switch gears and get into economic policy and outline the rebels' vision for Vermont. No prizes for guessing that it has little in common with that of the Scott Troopers and almost nothing in common with that of the left. I'm Meg Hansen, and you've been listening to Writing What's Left. Mm-hmm.